We're going to continue on in our series about the overcoming church. But you know what? Seriously, there's no more important place than you could be than right here. No, impo- no other more important place than you could be that you could be than than communing, being in the presence of your Father. It's all too easy these days to miss church. Forsake not the assembling with other believers. You will never make a better choice than being with your believing family hearing the pure, unadulterated word of the living God. If you're not in a church who preaches that, get out. If you're in a church that is all about social programs, get out. (coughs) If you're in a church that does not have the working (coughs) and functioning of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, get out. And if you have a church like that, be there. Okay, I got myself really riled up this morning. It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. You know why? The Holy Spirit knows how you will be built up and edified by hearing the word and he doesn't want you to and the devil doesn't want you to be there you know what I'm saying but the Holy Spirit will always meet you when you come to hear the word so dear Lord we just thank you thank you that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear the lovely richness of your word. In Jesus' name. All right. So, we are going to be continuing the Overcoming Church series, and today we are um, studying Sardis. And when I first looked at this, I thought, Lord, that's going to take me 15 minutes. Like anything could take me 15 minutes. (laughs) But... The Holy Spirit proved me wrong. So, Revelation 3, verses 1 through 6, and I'm reading from NIV 84. To the angel of the church in Sardis write. Okay, remember, these are Jesus, this is Jesus. These are his words. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up! Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of the Lord. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, obey it, and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. 
Yet, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Hallelujah. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so the city of Sardis was a very important, I'm just going to look, teeny bit of history. city of Sardis was a very important city, a very wealthy city. Um, it was on the Acropolis. It was a powerful city. It was considered to be, it was high up. It was considered to be an impenetrable city, okay? And, but the other problem with Sardis, the city of Sardis, is that it was a den of darkness and depravity and evil, okay? So in comes the church. You know, they're going to grow and build, right? In comes the church of Sardis, full of light, full of the strength of the Lord. <coughs> and, and, and at the beginning, the, the church was on fire, the church was alive. It made inroads into the darkness of, of, the, of the city. So at the beginning, the church, you know, we, assuming from what we read in history and from what we see here in the Bible, it did a lot of good. It probably had, you know, a lot of programs that, that busted through the darkness in that particular city and brought change. But then, after a while, as time went on, the church became very smug. It became arrogant. It became self-reliant. It became self-dependent, okay? Um, very sure of themselves, very sure of their ways. They stopped paying attention to the things that they once did when they were full of passion and fire and, and life, when they were growing, when they were maturing um, as a body of believers. So, this would remind us today of a church that preached the word, that had a, a good reputation. The church of Sardis had a good reputation uh, in its past um, and, and a, a once held passionate fire, okay? But now it was, it was falling or failing to apply maybe the principles of God to everyday life. The, the living gospel to everyday life. Um, they were failing to stay engaged. They were failing to stay alert. Uh, possibly agreeing like we might have today, uh, no in indictment on any particular church or anything like that, but like we might have today, churches that have gone woke, you know, churches that preach a lot of social programs and, and you know, things like that, that aren't necessarily, you know, compromise over time. And so basically they were choosing activity over application. And that's something we all have to be on guard for in our own lives. 
You know, you can get involved with a lot of things, but are you applying the word in those things that you are doing for the Lord? We have to apply the word to everything we do. Um, they, so basically, this church was sort of going through the motions. There was, there was no more fire in them. Um, our profession of faith, this, the way that we believe biblically, has to be applied to our actions. It has to be applied to our works. It has to be applied to our everyday life. Um, in our daily living, it has to be applied in how we treat others. It has to be applied in the way that we approach problems, the way that we approach conflict, the way we uh, um, handle temptation. The word has to be applied. We cannot fall asleep. We cannot give up when it gets hard. You cannot give up when it gets hard because it gets hard. How many people know it gets hard? Yeah, it does. And you have to keep applying the word. You will be rewarded. You will be blessed when you continue on. So Sardis had become negligent in applying the word and staying active in the living word of God, so to speak. They failed to keep the living word of God active in their own lives. And so cracks were developing in the foundation. Cracks were developing in their walls and they weren't even aware of it because they weren't alert. They weren't paying attention. You know, everything was fine, right? Everything was fine. Ha ha. Okay? So they didn't even know that their walls were crumbling. Um, they were being negligent. Now, let me historically give you an example. And th this is a... Uh, like a real-life example. Um, historically, Sardis really was an impenetrable fortress, okay? The Persians had attacked and attacked for a length of time and made absolutely no inroads into, this, into the city, okay? So then, as history tells it, um, there was a... I don't know if you call him a soldier or a guard or what, up on the wall, and his helmet fell to the, you know, to the ground outside the wall. Okay? The Persians could, had been totally unable to find a way to get in. So, you know, helmets were important. And so he went down and got his helmet crawled back through a crack in the wall. Get that? Crawled back through a crack in the wall. An enemy saw that. That was their answer. They got in, the city was defeated. Okay? So we got to pay attention to the cracks in the wall. We got to pay attention to the cracks in the foundation. That's why you need to stay in a Holy Spirit-filled church every Sunday, not just some Sundays. <laughs> I'm moving on, I promise. I promise I'm moving on. <laughs> anyway, so in Revelation 3.1, it says, 
You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You are living on your past glory. Beloved, we do not want to live on our past glory. We do not want to live on past knowledge. We do not want to live on the word that we learned last month. <coughs> we want to learn the word every day. We want to speak to God every day. We want to hear from the Holy Spirit every day. But you are dead. Another translation here says, Thou hast a, repu hast a reputation for life, and instead of being full of vigor and growth, thou art a corpse. I would not want that to be said about me personally or about my church. So they had stopped growing. They, they were no longer moving forward in the things of God. They were no longer aggressive for God. We need to stay aggressive for God. So Jesus said, your reputation is alive, but you are no longer alive. You have died. You have died. You have basically put down the spiritual mantle. That's what you've done. You are no longer really fighting the fight. You are living in carnality. You are no longer watchful. You have a name. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You are resting on your laurels. You once did deeds by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, in the strength of the Holy Spirit, and now you are no longer doing that. Beloved, we must welcome the Holy Spirit in our churches. Prophecy, tongues interpretation, all the gifts must be welcome. Don't go to a church where they're not welcome. I don't care what your carnal reasoning is for doing that. You have friends there. <coughs> they have an incredible children's program. They have so many programs that I could be involved in one every day of the week if I wanted to. Is the Holy Spirit there? Are there tongues? Are there prophet? Is there prophecy? Is there interpretation? If there's not, okay, I already said it. Man, I don't know why I'm harping on this today. But if there's not, get out, get out, get out now. Quit making excuses. I think there's someone out there who needs to hear it. Y'all probably are all fine. <laughs> anyway, Jesus said, your works are not complete. You are not welcoming the Holy Spirit. Revelation 3, 2. Wake up, strengthen what remains, and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. I would not want to hear that. I would not want to hear that. Jesus is so kind. He is so merciful. He's so good. He's saying, I'm giving you a warning, guys. I'm giving you a warning. The devil is prowling, the devil is prowling, and you need to reinforce your arsenal. You need to strengthen the walls, you need to build up the garrison. 
So you need to be, you need to see where the devil has gotten in and you need to stop his advance in the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to reinforce, you need to restore, you need to rebuild, you need to strengthen. Now, no matter where we are in our lives, we can do this. We always need to strengthen, right? We always need to reinforce. We always need to, you know, restore in, in the Holy Spirit. We always need to dig in and, 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 and on fire with the Holy Spirit, ask, where can I get closer to, to what your purposes and plans are? Where, where do I need to improve? Right? We need to all do this. So anyway, Jesus was basically saying, look, it's not too late. I'm, I'm a merciful God. You know, you, you just repent. Awaken to the condition that you're in, and, and I'm going to help you do something about it. Okay? Do the work that you remember when you first were on fire with all that passion. Do you all remember when you were first on fire with passion for God? How many of you in this room can say, I have that same passion today? How many can say that? I'm still on fire, I'm still moving forward, and nothing is going to stop me. Okay? So he's saying to them, regroup, relight the fire. It is not too late. Revelation 3.3, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. So he's basically saying, look, I'm giving you time to self-correct. I'm giving you this grace, this period, this time to self-correct. If you do not self-correct, if you remain negligent, I will come like a thief, and I will have to correct in another way. Right? Well, I'm even thankful for that. Right? We should all be thankful for that. He's so merciful. He's so merciful. Just like he gave Jezebel. Remember last week we studied about Jezebel. Just like he gave Jezebel time to repent, and she didn't, and she, she, met, a very, she met a destructive end, didn't she? Okay, so he's saying to the church, church of Sardis, it is time to recognize the deadness of your hearts uh, and your acts and awaken to the power of the Holy Spirit. Awaken to the fire once again in your church. Um, he, uh, Jesus was basically saying they were having time to come back to life. Okay? Revelation 3.1 again says, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Okay, interpretation has that as the pastors, the, the stars of the, those particular churches. So what's the point here? Jesus has everything you need. Jesus has everything you need. Cling to him, abide in him, stay close to him, talk. Talk to the Holy Spirit. He holds the seven, it says he holds the seven spirits of God, the full, complete manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We want no less than that. Full manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Bring it on. That's what we want because it's our life. Outside of that, it's death. 
That's basically what it comes down to. We will not shun the Holy Spirit. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And it is not him that needs to barge in and, and, and blast down the doors. It is us that need to stay welcoming. Because he's there. Okay? So, the full manifestation. A church sunk in darkness, in deadness, certainly needs the full, powerful manifestations, giftings of the Holy Spirit. That church, every church, needs to be immersed in his giftings and his presence. The Holy Spirit restores life. You have a situation that you're dealing with, you talk to the Holy Spirit. He is your counselor. He is your wisdom. He brings life to that situation, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is, okay? He brings, he is, he brings the fire of God to create newness, to give new wine. How many of you need new wine? Thank you, Lord, for new wine. Thank you, Lord, that you are doing a new thing in each person's life, Lord. Thank you for the new wine that you are pouring into them. Thank you for the rivers of life that you give, flowing out of their bellies, Lord. We thank you for that. We receive that from you today, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. So the Holy Spirit is alive and well and able to bring the dead back to life. And we must, we must, we must acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit, his gifts, his direction in our lives, his direction in our churches. We must not grieve him. We must not shut him out. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the life of our churches. The Holy Spirit is the vitality of our churches. He's the vitality of us. Okay? Jesus brings everything to the table, right? All the fullness of God, right? Right? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Every spiritual gift he has set in front of you on your table for you in the presence of all your enemies, right? You just get to come to the table and feast. That's his heart. That's his intent for you. That's what he desires for you. Listen to this. And, and why is that? He loves you. He wants you to overcome because he's already overcome for you. And he wants, to walk, he wants you to walk in everything that he already did for you. It, it's not even like anything is ever being held back. He accomplished it. So that you could walk in the overcoming status of Christ. The overcame status already. Right? Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. 
this, and, when, and when we stay in Jesus, we're going to bear the same fruit, right? Did I say same? Did I say same? And how about greater works? Did I say greater? Does the word say greater? What are you expecting? Don't be moved by what you see, beloved. Until the miracle comes and you can shout hallelujah. That is so awesome. Okay, anyway. A shoe will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Okay, listen. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. These are things that you have received because of Jesus. Because of the Holy Spirit. These are things that you get to walk in. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. What more do you need? For every situation, what more do you need? Thank you. (laughs) You're right. How do you get that right? Nothing. You don't need anything more than what you've already been given. It belongs to you. It belongs to you in Jesus the seven spirits of God. This is how we walk. This is how we talk. This is, this is how we do the things we do. This is how we uh, demonstrate our faith. Okay, verse four. Yet you have a few people. I think this is you guys. You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will... Who in here overcomes? If I don't see every hand go up in this church, I'm going to be really upset. Are you going to believe that you are going to walk as the overcoming church, or are you not? Thank you. You shouldn't be believing anything else. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. You are so kind. But will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. What a blessing. What a blessing. Do you know that you are being acknowledged by Jesus before the Father at all times? The devil comes to accuse you, and your father doesn't listen. He's not like people down here who just want to hear the first tidbit of gossip 
against people, against someone that they can, and, and, and they're sickeningly, sickeningly overjoyed. You see, your, pro- your father's pure. He doesn't have a bad thought about you. He sees you through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. So anyway, in the midst of the deadness of this, the church of Sardis, in the midst of the negligence there, in the midst of the darkness all around them, there were those who were marching forth, marching forth, marching forth, committed to God, not going to be moved, going to apply whatever truth, whatever truth of the gospel there was, they they were going to apply it, right? They were going to remain alert. They remained vigilant. They remained sober-minded. And they were going to be rewarded. So not only did they receive eternal life, right? Not only did they receive that, but they were rewarded by being able to walk with Jesus in robes of white, never having their name blotted out from the book of life. Just think of that. Just stop and think of that for a minute, what that means to you personally. So, that's kind of what was going on with Sardis. That's the intent of our Lord. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. So then I was studying this, and the rest of this is just me and God talking with one another, the rest of this sermon. Because then I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, okay, I understand all that, but you haven't told me really why the church of Sardis was dead. Why was it dead, Lord? That's what I asked. Tell me why it was dead. Tell me why they had decided to be negligent. Because nobody would consciously do that, would they? Right? Would they? I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think most of you would. I don't think any of you would. So when I said that to the Lord, he said to me, Okay, I hope I get through the rest of the message. So bear with me. But he, and maybe it's more important, you know, maybe I think this is more important than you're going to think it is. So I'm, I'm not saying that, like, I'm important. You know what I'm saying? But he said to me, they were not operating in the love of God. They were not operating in the love of God. In my love. They were not operating in my love. They were operating. But they were not operating in my love. So then I, and then he said, they had actually taken my love for granted. And I said, Lord, don't ever let me take your love for granted because, you know, we we all do that sometimes, don't we? In everyday life, don't you think you've done that? Yeah, I've done that. And so I said to the Lord, I said, um, 
okay, how have they taken your love for granted? Okay, you say they've taken your love for granted. How have they taken your love for granted? He said, they did not understand its purity. Now, these are not my thoughts, because I wouldn't think this, because I, I couldn't think this probably. By not understanding its purity, by not understanding its independence, by not remembering what it did for them, by not comprehending its freedom. Those are the four things he gave me. And I sat there and I'm like, can you give me some more? That's really cool. Okay, so what does all that mean? So, I look up purity. Well, first, before I looked up purity, I thought, okay, let's, let's look at each one of these things that he just spoke about how we've misunderstood his love. And purity. Purity is something that is completely untainted. Totally untainted. It is crystalline. Completely crystalline. No contaminants whatsoever. So then I went to the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary and I looked up purity. And here's what it said. It said a lot. It said a whole lot. And if we could understand all this about the purity of the love of God for you, for me, we would walk in a whole different plane. So here's what he said. Here's what it says. Separate from all heterogeneous or extraneous matter. Clear. Free from mixture. As pure water, pure air, pure silver, pure gold. Free from moral defilement without spot. That's you, the bride of Christ. Without spot or wrinkle. Not sullied or tarnished, incorrupt, undebased by moral turpitude, holy. Okay, as I'm going through this definition, I want you to realize that this is how God loves you. This is how God loves you every second, every millisecond, every moment of every day of your whole life and even before you were born and for all of eternity. It is not how you act. It is not the things you do. It is not every mistake you have made. This is how he loves you purely, regardless of anything else. Okay, let's go on. Genuine, real, true. I want you to apply everything. When I say these words, I want you to say to the Lord, I want you to repeat that as his love, like in your hearts, okay? Your love for me is true. Your love for me is holy. You see see what I'm saying? Okay, so I'm going to give you these words. Genuine, real, true, incorrupt, unadulterated, unmixed, separated from any other subject or form, or from everything that is foreign. 
You see that? Totally undefiled by anything. Just pure love. Free from vice or moral turpitude. Unpolluted. Unpolluted love for you. Free from anything improper as motives are pure. Mere a bee. This went down my blouse. Mere absolute absolute love for you. Absolute. That and only that unconnected to anything else. In other words, nothing can change it. Nothing will determine it. See that? Okay. Then he said, we didn't understand the independence of his love. Okay? So, in other words, and this is how I received that. In other words, it's not dependent on your emotions. His love for you does not depend on your emotions. It does not depend on your works at all, ever. It does not depend on any circumstances that you go through at any point in your life. Then this is what he said. This is how he started speaking to me on this, on this issue. He says, and I'm going to read it because I want to get it right, my love is completely dependent on my character. That's his love for you. Depends only on his character. I give because I am the giver. The giver. Not because of what you do for me. My love is whole because I am whole. I lack nothing and I give in fullness. Independent of any other factor. Just because of who I am. Hallelujah. His love for you is who he is. Can you get that? His love for you is who he is. And I'd love for someone to say that about me. But we can say it about our God. Okay, then, he, then there was the one that says, they're not remembering what my love did for them. And this is what he spoke to my heart. They do not love because they forget that my love rescued them. They do not love because they forget that my love gives them mercy. They do not love because they forget that my love paved the road of compassion that brought them into my glorious light. You see how tender he is toward us? And then the last one, he said, they do not comprehend the freedom 
of my love. And this is what he spoke to my heart. My love is the antidote for all pain. Pain of every kind. My love liberates and removes every bondage. That's how much he loves you. He does not want you to walk around with weights and bondages. My love allows the true expression of my nature, God's nature, in every life. You see, he wants you to be the expression of him, and the only way that that can happen is if we receive and know his love for us. But he is intending, he has intended from the beginning of time that you are the complete expression of his nature and his love is what allows that. His love is what brings that forth in your life. My love is the only true freedom. So his love busts down bust down every prison wall, it opens every prison door. Okay? So this is why he said that that church had crumbled and was dead. So I think this is really important for us to remember the intent of his love, what his love is to us. So, God's love I have a bit yet to go, but God's love is full of power. It is all, listen to this, guys, it is all the power you will ever have. Quit looking anywhere else. His love is all the power you will ever have in your life. Love allows the Holy Spirit to rest in your life. It allows the truth and the full expression of God in your life. Love is the foundation of every other gift. Faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. Love never fails. His love never fails. Hate. What does hate do? Hate begets hate. Hate begets hate. Hate is not power. People walking in hate think they're powerful. They think they have a power. It is a darkness. Hate is not power. It is loss. It is death. Hate will cause you The Lord told me a lot about this. Hate will cause you to lose your witness. It will cause you to lose your witness. It will cause you to lose the power of your testimony. When you try to get back at people, when you try to do better than your your brother, your sister, your neighbor... 
We need to seek vengeance for whatever reason. You will lose your witness. You are not glorifying God in doing that. Winning does not always glorify God because it's only winning in the flesh. It's not winning in him. Okay? Being able to glorify God is the most important thing that, other than, you know, believing in Jesus, after we believe in Jesus. Being able to glorify him is the most magnificent thing we can do. And if you walk in hate and vengeance and trying to do better and trying to get back at somebody, you will lose every time and you will never glorify God doing that. Okay. Hate will actually cause, and there are forms of hate, aren't there? Okay, different forms, anger, malice, whatever. Hate will cause others to reject your story. Whatever story God's given you, it will cause others just to shut you out, shut that out. And, and you've lost the opportunity to witness at that point. Hate will nullify your story. Strife kills your commentary for the Lord. It invalidates your effectiveness in every situation. It creates a wall and not a bridge. Who is our bridge? Thank you. The bridge from darkness to light. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and I want you to think about this. We all think about this is how we're supposed to love other people, and that is so true, bless you. But this is how God loves you. This is how God loves you. And I want you to think about that as I read it. I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and then 13. This is how God is toward you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record, no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So this is a picture of how God loves you. Say, God loves me this way. Okay, it is also a picture of how you are supposed to love other people. This is what we do. This is how we walk. Love, God's love, is your perfect witness. Okay? It is your perfect witness. It is the power of your testimony. It is the power of your testimony. The scripture says they will know you by how you love one another, right? 
You want those who are yet to believe to know you by the power of how you love one another. Love is the wealth, it is the wealth, and it is the richness of your life. Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. There's your testimony. There's your witness. That you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, beloved, everyone will listen to a love story. Everyone. Everyone will listen to a love story. Do you agree? Yeah, they will. Because love moves lives into goodness, okay? It moves people love, the love of God. You understanding it? You understanding it. You receiving it. Because that's the only way that you can ever give it out is you, you have to receive it for yourself first. Love moves lives. It moves people to greatness. It moves people to strength. It moves people to do things that they never thought they could ever do. It moves people to persevere. It moves people to overcome. So I want to give everyone a warning. In these times of social unrest, political unrest, how many are tempted to speak hatefully about another party or about people who believe a different way? Now, do we tolerate sin? No, that's not what I'm preaching. But we love the sinner. Okay? How many of you have never sinned? How many of you still believe that, want and believe that God loves you, right? Okay, so that's how we're supposed to walk. Okay, so in these times when we can be so tempted toward strife, toward confusion, toward division, toward contention, we must find another way. We must find another way every day in our everyday lives, not even when there's social political upheaval, but just, just life, just living life. We must find the higher road and walk the higher road because only love is going to be the bridge. Only love is going to cross every single divide, and it will cross every single divide. It will bring together every division. In your families, beloved, put down strife. In your families, you start there. Put down strife no matter what. Focus on loving one another the way that God loves you. This is going to move the mountain of division and it will bring unity and joy. And then it'll, it'll just explode out from there. 
Striving against others kills. It kills in ways that we don't even understand sometimes. We find out years later. But your love heals. Your love brings life. Love brings the entrance. Get this. Love brings the entrance of the Holy Spirit to every situation. When we allow the Holy Spirit to come into a situation, problems meet their solutions. Do you agree? Confusion turns to peace. These are several things that the Lord ordered for me that he said it does. Anxiety turns to rest in him. Death turns to life. The bruised reed blossoms. Do you have any bruised reeds in your families? Do you know any bruised reeds? They will blossom when you become the love of God. The rocky becomes smooth, the insecure becomes strong. The crumbling become stable. Do you see anyone? Perhaps you feel this in your own life. Do you feel that things are crumbling? Do you see someone where things are crumbling? You receiving God's love will stabilize you. You giving that love will stabilize others. Rivers of living water usher forth from dry, parched ground, springing up new life, giving new wine. Isaiah 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Allow his love to be the root of you. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Follow the way of love and you will be the overcoming church. Jesus told us how to do this. He told us how to do this. I'm going to read a pretty lengthy passage. Please be patient with me. Mark 12, 28 through 31, NIV 84. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The mo this is Jesus. The most important one, answers Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And the next passage is Matthew 5, 
38 through 48. You have heard it was said, this is Jesus talking, guys. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hallelujah. So I hope this blessed you today. Because if we build on the foundation of God's love, we cannot be wrong ever. So dear Lord, I just thank you for the word, your precious, precious word that you have lovingly dropped into our hearts. Thank you for the reminder, Lord. Thank you that we remember. Thank you that we truly hear with our spiritual ears. And we ask you to help, we, help us walk as you walk. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right. So that's what the Lord had me share today. And um, we are going to take communion. How better could the Lord have shown his love than for what he did for us? On the cross and beyond. Going up to the cross. Taking the walk. Allowing himself to be nailed. So Lord, we thank you for the love that you have so freely, willingly poured out upon us. Help us to remember its purity, its independence, its freedom and what it's done for us, Lord. That's what we're doing here today. Remembering your love. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for the blood you poured out, for the mercy you've given. 
for the love, your love that surrounds us no matter what we do. In Jesus' mighty name. All right, beloved, we're going to receive your tithes and offerings. And um, the Lord showed me this scripture today for the, for the tithes and offerings. It's in uh, Genesis 28. I'm going to start actually in verse 12. This is Jacob. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. Do you know you have an open heaven? Do you know that the angels are ascending and descending to you and for you? There above it stood the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to the land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome in this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, you're all on a journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a tenth. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Of all that you give me, I will give a tenth. And don't think that Jacob was bargaining with God. The Lord tells us that we can test him in the tithe. We can prove him in the tithe. I believe that when I tithe, this promise is mine. I know it to be so. So Lord, we thank you for every tithe. We thank you for every offering. I thank you that your word is true, that your promise is sure. To each person, according as they tithe, according as they Bring forth offerings unto you, Lord God, that you would bless them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, we have Celebration Sunday. Harry's going to come up and pray over the food.
and bless the food. Today is celebration day. Celebrating people's got a birthday, anniversary, go have a tooth pulled or whatever it may be. So before we start uh, praying for the food, the pastor spoke about love. The Lord has, in the past, has spoke to me a lot of time about love. When my wife was living, love.